You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, powered by mortgagestogo.ca. Always the lowest interest rates in Canada since 2004. Visit mortgagestogo.ca at the bottom of the hour. Our Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Flame Analyst Megan Mickelson will join us. We'll get her thoughts on the Chris Tanev deal. He's off to the Dallas Stars for some picks and a prospect. Huh. You want to know more about defenseman Artem Grushnikov? Do you want to know more about him? I would love to. What he's all about? Yeah, that'd be great. What potentially could he look like? Well, I I could Google him, find out what he looks like or, if I wanted to. Or we can ask a guy who actually knows about him. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, yeah, let's talk to him. Uh, Sportsnet scouting analyst from the Pro Hockey Group on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Jason Bukala. Hello, sir. How are you? Good morning, fellas. I'm doing great. Uh, great, great tune. The lead-in tune was uh, right on point. That's outstanding. Mm. I don't know if Garrett did that or who did that, but that was awesome. Yeah, it's uh, Garrett and Connor working the board. We have a new employee here, Connor. Um, he um, He's a Leaf fan. Um, oh. And uh, we had the conversation. Uh, we asked him point blank. Leaf fans think Austin Matthews is better than uh, Nathan McKinnon. Your thoughts? Uh, no, no. Nathan McKinnon is uh, a more well-rounded player than Austin. Austin Matthews is the best goal scorer in the in the world, no question about that. Sure. But uh, but Nathan McKinnon, he's uh, he's on a whole different level there. I mean, the argument could be made even that a guy like Alexander Barkov, you could throw him into that kind of mix too. Different players, different type of point production, mm. team impact uh, ranges uh, differently from all three. So. Not taking anything away, I don't want to uh, disappoint uh, the the new the new brood there on the, uh, <laughs> in the behind the scenes. But uh, uh, classic. There you go. Um, your initial reaction when you saw the Tanev deal last night, Books. So out of the box, I thought, wow, with all the hype and all the noise that I've heard, uh, you know, I'm obviously not an insider, but you know, listening or or reading and everything else. I thought at first glance that um, um, it was less than I thought they were going to get. I was, I was really, I really felt like there might be a late first round pick in the mix, to be honest with you. Like uh, it felt like it was trending that way. Uh, But clearly the market has spoken in this uh, situation and this is the value. And this is probably, you know, if we would have forecasted it in the fall, um, definitely the second round pick, um, but the additions, I guess, kind of meets me halfway between what I thought it was going to be, which was a first rounder. And uh, in the fall, we would have thought, probably thought just a straight up second round pick, uh, maybe another late round pick or something. But uh, on balance, I guess this is what the market pays for now. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to see where things go now. If the Flames trade Markstrom or Hannafin, obviously Hannafin's going to be the guy going for sure, I believe. Um, well, I don't believe. I, you know, I'm pretty confident to say I know that. And uh, the marquee one will be, uh, we'll see. But uh, it'll be fascinating to see what the return is now on Hannafin because uh, um, it should be, <laughs> it should be big for sure, no question. Um, Books, I kind of alluded to this uh, before you jumped on with us. Is this an advantage? Not that the Flames were competing against themselves, but now they have enough time where Conroy can just focus on a Noah Hannafin deal. And now that Tanev's off the market, even though it's his own player or was his own player, he can actually maybe maximize more out of the Hannafin deal. Does that make any sense to you? 
Yeah, that's interesting. I think that uh, I think that that's a fair statement. Um, you know, especially when you're starting to, if you look at the deal, and, and when you're starting to get three teams involved, when you have to park money with another franchise, uh, obviously that takes a lot of work, guys, behind the scenes. You know, you're moving around picks, which is one thing. Then, of course, you got a couple of prospects, but now we have to convince a third party to eat some money and. And that's a process, especially if that team uh, like New Jersey, which kind of surprised me a little bit, um, but they do have some cap flexibility there. Uh, so they essentially bought a pick, right? That's what they, they basically did by eating some dough. Um, but, you know, it takes time to, to make those things happen. And, um, you know, the one thing that, that uh, just from my perspective that's kind of interesting here is the fact that New Jersey took on some cash here and the fact that Tanya was going to a Western Conference team. I don't think the New Jersey Devils take on any money for Tanya to land with the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, mm. because of him being in the Eastern Conference. I don't, I don't think that that's something they would have done. So, um, yeah, interesting process. Now you're uh, now you're ready. You're locked and loaded to to get the rest of it done, and uh, uh, there'll be some sleepless nights for Craig Conroy and his staff between now and next uh, next Friday. I do want to get back to this deal, but just really quickly, that the the fact that the Devils got involved does that signal to you that they're just getting more capital to make another move ahead of the deadline, or is this almost them throwing in the towel a little bit? No, I don't think they are throwing in the towel. I think what they did, I think it was a strategic move. I think that they made the decision that, you know, we can get involved in this. If we don't get involved in this, is, is there a possibility that the Toronto Maple Leafs or, you know, one of our Eastern Conference, uh, another Eastern Conference contending team um, acquires the player, Tanev that is, and and now it makes us or makes them even more of a difficult opponent if we had to go down that road come playoff time um, or you know, just getting them out of the conference. It's like one of those trades. You know, when you see players traded out of conference just because it feels better, you're only going to see them come back around once a year um, in your building. It, it feels like that for me. I think New Jersey's still got tons of flexibility cap-wise. I don't think that they can sit back with the team that they have and not add something. Um, but having said that, that team's been treading water, guys, for, for quite a while now. And um, I guess I won't. I wouldn't be totally surprised if they park it for this year, but it doesn't feel like that's a team that should do that. I think that if they get better goaltending, um, you know, they have a chance to, as soon as they get in, uh, go on a little bit of a run. Artem Grushnikov is the prospect that's coming back. He was the 48th overall selection in 2021, so the draft year coming out of the pandemic. Uh, Russian, 6'2", a buck 80, left-handed, played in the OHL, so came over to North America a little bit earlier than some other Russian prospects that we've seen of late. He's been playing in Texas for a couple of... This was his rookie year, played one game the season prior. What can you tell us about Artem Grushnikov? So, you know, I don't know. His, his updated height and weight, it's always fascinating, isn't it, when you see these uh, statistics mm-hmm. going around. You know, I've seen 6'2", 184, six, you know, 193 here and there. According to the uh, the Dallas Stars uh, official uh, media guide, if you will, um, he's up to like 205, at 6'1", 205. Let's argue 6'2", for, you know, just we'll, we'll split it right down the middle. But anyways, um, I have had an opportunity to watch this kid play for pretty much three years. Um what you're getting here, so on an entry, when, when you're scouting players, guys, we've talked about this before. So the first thing you look for, or at least I look for, you know, as a scouting director is, um, you know, skating, thinking, relentless compete. 
And if you don't tick off those boxes, the first three boxes, you're not going to have a chance for your other skill attributes to rise to the occasion at the NHL level. So uh, it's a hard league, and on your worst day, you better be skating and you better be thinking, um, and then there, you know the rest is a bonus. He's, he's an excellent skater. There's absolutely no question about it. Really good wheels. Um, on straight lines, he's kind of got a deep uh, – he, he wide tracks a little bit, but he's explosive. So when he turns and pivots to go get pucks, he's, he's explosive. He can keep up with – Players at the American League level already, no problem. I don't see any issue at the NHL level. So that's a, you know, that's definitely a bonus. He manages his game very, uh, he's a reserved player offensively. So what he does all the time is keeps everything in front of him. You're not going to see a guy who's going to rush the puck very often. You're very rarely going to see a guy that pinches down offensively. So in the American League with Texas, for example, he was paired with, uh, I'm sure you guys remember, Alexander Petrovic. Mm-hmm. Like he's a, you know, so Petro, you know, he's a veteran, right shot. D. He's been paired with him, and they've been kind of like a shutdown pair in Texas. Um, he's averaged about 16 and a half minutes tonight, Grishnikov, and even strength and power are in penalty kill. That's it. Um, he's got like a goal and four assists. Don't expect offense. Secondary bump, secondary pushback, but sneaky at times with when he gaps up on guys. He'll he'll punish some people on occasion. But right now at the American League level, he's just kind of getting his feet wet, keeping it uh, keeping it on the safe side. So um, here's the thing: I don't want anybody to be misled, and he could be a four in 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 the long run. He could be a four. I'm more comfortable saying he's going to be a five or a six. Maybe a five is is more realistic, and that's okay. He's just going to be a two-way D, a simple two-way D that you can rely on to play a certain type of uh, style and structure. Um, he's not going to wow you uh, by any by any means, but he's going to be a steady Eddie. So they 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 picked up uh, Verstevich uh, recently. Mm-hmm. He's the exact opposite of this player. Uh, hmm. You can kind of see how they're working through their team building. Uh, so Books is he is essentially his ceiling Chris Tanev. I'm reluctant to say that he's going to block shots the way that Tanev does. I don't see that. I, I see him being different. I see him being – so Chris Tanev, um, 25 hits, 171 block shots, fellas. So what that tells you is that he plays between the dots defensively. He doesn't jump out to punish guys physically. He allows the play to develop, and then he blocks the puck, right? This kid here is going to jump out more to kill plays with an active stick and get in lanes. He's going to probably have more bump to his game. Uh, on balance, but he's not going to block shots the same way as Hannah did. When you look at the defensive prospects for the Flames, do you like the balance now that they've added him in? Because you mentioned they got Brustevich, they got Poirier, they've drafted Etienne Moran, they're kind of more offensive guys. They have Solovyov and Kuznetsov playing with the Wranglers right now, and they've got a handful of other guys that they haven't signed yet that kind of lean more defensive. But do you like the, the balance and the defenseman and the style of players they have in the system? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm reserved. I'm gonna see how it plays out. I, what I do like is that you have volume. So now that you've got uh, what I would definitely classify as organizational depth for competition for jobs, and it's not like you know we can only go to this player or this player uh, to fill that singular role. We might have two or three or four guys in that sort of category that can compete long term to to fill a void in, on the roster. So. Um, based on volume, I like it. Uh, I think that uh, you're, you know you're creating some competition. Here's the other thing: it, it can't be understated. Um, and I know that I, I believe I read that Craig uh, Conroy, um, you know, revealed this to to the media out there. Like when you bring in Grushnikov, uh, this is 
some Russian players or some players, okay, some Russian players, I was going to say some other players from Europe, but the fact is it's Russian players. So the, some Russian players come in and there's a certain mood about them. And what I mean by that is when things aren't going their way, um, you know, they tend to, they have another card in their pocket, their back pocket, don't they? Which is returning home to go to the KHL, stuff like that. This kid's the exact opposite. Like, he is really mature. Um, you know, I remember going through the process of getting information on him and, you know, helping his family out to back home to, you know, uh, basically to, to earn money for the family before he came over. This kid's all in to be here. So I like the character is what I'm telling you. I like the character. I like the drive. He's going to do everything he can to become a Calgary Flame because he's got more banking on his hockey career than the normal 20-year-old kid. Like, I think he's one of those guys that's supporting his family back home. This means a lot to him, and I think that the character is a, a strong addition. Is he comparable to Solovyov and Kuznetsov, who they have with the Wranglers? I, he's better than those two players for mm. me. Uh, Perfect. He's, he's, he's better there. So, um uh, I don't want to dummy down those other two guys. They're fine. But this kid here, um, I'm more comfortable with his projection at the NHL level. Uh, I like this addition better. Jason Bukala, Sportsnet scouting analyst, the Pro Hockey Group, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. I guess hotline big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Does it mean more that you get a prospect from an organization that has hit a lot of home runs in the draft like the Dallas Stars books? Oh, yeah. Listen, Joe McDonald, Jim Nell. I mean, this is historically these guys go back to the Detroit dynasty. They, well, you know, I call them dynasty, but you know how good Detroit was there for, well, forever, uh, you know, the Eisenman years and stuff, but Jim Nill and Joe McDonnell behind the scenes were, were, were responsible for building a lot of the prospects uh, in the Detroit Red Wing organization before they moved over to Dallas. And I mean, just honestly, Joe McDonnell has been a mentor to me over my years in the league. And, uh, and Jim Nill's just one of the best human beings you're ever going to meet. It's, it's not it's not by accident that they do what they do in Dallas and they develop players and find players. Um, the fact that they, you know, put a lot of stock in this player uh, definitely means something. Um, they've got some other ones there too that I would have been knocking on the door. Obviously, I would have loved to see a Stan Coven or or Maverick Bork or even a Liam Bichelle. You know, you can go down the list of some of their prospects. But uh, uh, Calgary's done fine here. This is uh, this is an NHL player on projection, but. I just don't want the kid to show up on your doorstep and people think, oh, he's going to be this top four dynamo. I want you. I want people to understand he's a piece of the puzzle. He's part of the retool. He's a first-year pro. Um, I've read somewhere that he might get games this year. I'm not so sure I'm on board with that. I think defenseman takes some time, and it would, it would be better serve to just kind of let him simmer for the rest of the year. Mm. But um, we'll see how it goes. Everyone talks about the 2017 draft for Dallas when they went Haskinen, Ottinger, Robertson with their first three picks. Ridiculous. Um, but 2021, they had a boatload of selections. They end up trading down from 15 to 23, and they they get a ton there. They get Wyatt Johnston at 23. At 48, they draft Grushnikov, who gets part of the Tanev trade. They got a fifth in there as well, and they drafted Logan Stankoven with their second overall pick, or their second round pick. What do you make of the 2021 draft for Dallas? What do you remember from that year when, when they decided to go from 15 to 23 and got Wyatt Johnston? This is exactly, so we've talked about it, haven't we, how you manage your draft board and how you shuffle your draft picks around. Um, this is a prime example of uh, managing draft capital when you build your list a certain way. And here's the other thing. When you have continuity with, amongst your staff and 
um, you, you start to know the league and you start to know the habits of other teams. You start to know, you, you can target a team and understand if, if like how they like to build out their roster. So when you're trading down and you're targeting, it's calculating because, you know, you know that, uh, you know, the Dallas Stars like this kind of player or the Detroit Red Wings, you know, like this kind of player. You know, if you have a Swede on the board um, that maybe you don't value as much as Detroit, you know that they're heavy Swedes or they, they historically really like drafting Swedes, you know, you make a phone call. This is all part of the strategy that Dallas implemented. Everything you just said right there speaks to, again, like that staff's been together forever in Dallas, those guys, and they, they understand how to work together as a, as a group, and they've done a hell of a job. Um, can I bore you with a really quick story about the, the Robertson pick? You would if never you bore us. You would never so, bore us. The Jason Robertson pick was at the draft in Chicago. Dallas's table is right beside us. So it's Jimmy Nill and uh, Joe McDonald at the head of the Dallas uh, table. It's uh, Dale Talon and myself at the head of our table in Florida. And we're coming up on pick number um, whatever we were right after that. I think we were 40. I thought they were 39. But anyways, maybe we were 41. doesn't matter. Um, the next guy on our list is Jason Robertson. And we, and we end up having to pick uh, Alexei Hepamiemi, who was a hell of a player in, in Swift Current. Uh, with the Broncos, good junior, you know, led the uh, World Juniors one year and or tied for the World Junior scoring lead. Whatever, he's 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 been a slow burn. But here's the point: <laughs> he's like five feet away from me, and 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 they announced Robertson, and Dale and I look right over at it. It was a classic. You don't see it on camera, but it's like you know, if you're at the bar having chicken wings and beer with your buddies, and they pick the, you know, you're, you're doing your fantasy hockey club draft, <laughs> and you start mm-hmm. like getting. We're just barbing back and forth. Dale, Dale's giving it to Jimmy. I'm giving it to Joe. It was, it was, it was great. It's great. What a pick by them. It's awesome. God, why? Why did you do that? Why? Ah. Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. What is wrong with you? Get out of our way. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Uh, Books. Couple oh, things uh, too. Um, again, I, I know it's hard for you to project, but that second round pick that the Flames are getting from the Stars that'll be you know late in the second round. Is there any? players that Flames fans should keep a casual eye on here for maybe the rest of the junior or college hockey season? Really tough to do that yet, guys. I I don't want to throw a name out there because I have to be transparent here. Uh, With those two picks in the second round, um, I'm putting them in motion, depending on what happens here with Hannafin and Markey. I'm putting them in motion to move up in this draft or or potentially punt it to next year. Um, After pick um, you know, uh, in, when we get into the third, right now on my draft list, there's I'm splitting hairs between guys uh, from 34 all the way down to like 70. Like it's 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 there's a lot of gray in this draft class, so I guess it's going to depend on what they really like on their list. It's probably going to be a lot different than mine. But what I'm telling you is that um, whether you have a middle of the second, late second early third I feel like all those players kind of mold the mesh into being kind of like the same on projection so um, I'm gonna be guarded with it and I'm gonna strategize as we get closer to June to see uh, to see if we really love a guy on our list at that point uh, books before I let you go um, I don't know if you saw this clip but I'm gonna kind of paraphrase uh, Frank Saravalli was on with our Pat Steinberg yesterday and he said that um, Noah Hannafin's representation is kind of hijacking this whole situation where teams are reaching out to his team and asking whether or not uh, they would he would sign an extension with them. Books, does this happen more than we think? And how is this not tampering? 
Well, you get permission, first of all. That's, um, you know, so the team that's looking to acquire the player, um, uh, it's fully transparent. So they reach out to Craig and his staff and say, listen, we're interested in acquiring him, but we'd like to have a deal in the drawer for him to stay. So if I'm the Florida Panthers, you know, Bill Zito's calling Craig and saying, can I have permission to do this? And then Craig's saying, absolutely. You know, you can speak to his representation. Um, This isn't abnormal at this time of year, guys, uh, in these types of scenarios, especially if you're looking at an extension and especially if you're looking at investing um, significant capital in acquiring the player. So I would, in my years in the league, I would say that it's changed. I would say that, you know, when I first came in like 18 years ago, it was, you know, you make the deal and you, you know, like we picked up Peter Forsberg years ago in Nashville when I was there. And I don't recall us, uh, you know, looking at, you know, whether we we're going to extend them or anything like that. It was like, let's just get the player in the fold and go on a run, hopefully in playoffs. Where now today it's, it's more about in the, in the cap world that we live in, it's more about futures and team building. And it's, it's about the now, but it's also about where are we going after that? So um, the only thing I would say about it, and I know that I'm getting long winded here is that if I did pick up Hannafin and there wasn't a deal in the drawer, let's, let's not mis- misunderstand. You could trade the player his rights, his his negotiation rights before the draft in June, and and acquire a pick in return if you know that he wants to go to a different team. There you go, uh, great stuff. Jason Bukula, Sportsnet scouting analyst, the Pro Hockey Group on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Books always fantastic stuff. Thanks for this, pal. Awesome guys, have a great day. Talk to you hopefully next week. Right? Sounds good. Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. Please. Sounds good. Thanks for this. All right. Uh, again, there you go. What's what's Grushnikov's ceiling? Four or five. So again, we we know that at first blush, some fans are like, "Ooh, that that returns a little underwhelming." But if you get a guy who's going to play on your blue line as a four or five for a thirty-four-year-old defenseman with an expiring contract, it's pretty good work by Conroy and the Flames. Uh, they did their homework. Boog says it's a good organization who's got an eye, a great eye for talent. Seemingly, this looks like a guy. And also, I think the the wild card in all of this is he has incredible drive to succeed and be an NHL player and and do the best he possibly can for himself and his family back home. That stuff matters. Mm -hmm. And potentially, uh, this could be a really nice pickup in years from now for the Calgary Flames, maybe sooner than later. But uh, I thought you asked a great question. Is he better than Soloviev and Kuznetsov? He is, according to Bukla. So there's that, too. And we've seen Soloviev, both of those guys, play in the Flames' blue line this season. This guy potentially grades out to be better than both of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan Mickelson, our Flames analyst for Sports at 960, going to join us straight ahead. we got to take your text messages, I think, too. Like, what's your favorite Chris Tanev memory? Yes. Or if you want to say a nice so long to Chris Tanev, 960-960 name and location. We'll do those at 8.30. A thank you, Chris, for being a Calgary Flame. Why don't we do that? I love it. At 8.30. Love it. Send us your thank you, Chris Tanev texts. And just don't say thank you, Chris. We want, we want a little <laughs> yeah, let's be a little that. better than that. Be a little more creative. Use your brain. Yeah, especially on, on a special day like today that only comes every four years. Mm-hmm. Make one of your extra, you know, 1,440 minutes count. I guess. Megan Mickelson's next big show, Russick and Rose. Actually, you know Mm. what we should do? Yeah. Because we just talked a lot of trade deadline stuff. Mm -hmm. We should have Connor on telling us, you know, our NHL trade deadline. Oh, 
on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Who it's brought, it's brought to, to us you by? by wow. Boom, Connor. Well, it is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or call them at 403-248-3344 for pickup or delivery. Great job. Maggie mm-hmm. Mickelson next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, powered by MortgagesToGo.ca. Always the lowest interest rates in Canada since 2004. Visit MortgagesToGo.ca. At the top of the hour, ESPN NHL senior writer Greg Wyshynski will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the Chris Tanev deal. What does this ultimately mean for Noah Hannafin? What are some of the suitors for him? We'll talk to Wish about that. And at 8.30, you're so long to Chris Tanev. Maybe you could write him a sweet goodbye on our text line at 960-960. Or share with us your favorite Chris Tanev memory. And I'm sure a lot of those are involved by just blocking pucks. Mm-hmm. And it was very apropos that his last play with the Calgary Flames was blocking a shot Thursday, uh, Tuesday night. And the uh, Flames ended up scoring an empty net goal thanks to yet another Chris Tanev block. Um, she is our Flames analyst on Sportsnet 960 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. And we say good morning to Megan Mickelson. Hello, how are you? Good morning, fellas. I'm great. How are you? We're good. Um, what is your um, Chris Tanev memory getting to really know him here as uh, your new gig with Sportsnet 960? Give us some Chris Tanev stories that you have specifically, your interactions with him. Yeah, I mean, every every chance I've had the opportunity to chat with him, I mean, he's he's just such a, a nice guy. So that's that's always the first thing. I mean, you see the way he plays out on the ice and how relentless he is in blocking shots. We talk a lot about that, obviously. But for me, he's just, just a really nice human being. And it was at the Heritage Classic up in Edmonton, and I announced, my retirement on air and the flames were nice enough to they presented me with a few jerseys one was a a heritage classic jersey that was signed by the entire team and then another um, my very own Megan Mickelson Calgary Flames jersey uh, with my number crested on the back but it was Michael Backlund and Chris Tanov that presented me with the jerseys and uh, I was doing um, just a quick hit with Brendan Parker outside of the flames dressing room. And uh, the guys came out and they surprised me with the jerseys. And then, you know, I just stood there and chatted with them for a few minutes. And I just remember Chris Tana saying to me like, wow, like what an amazing career you had. Like, and so for me, I'm sitting there thinking like, well, you're Chris Tanev. Like, <laughs> thank you for the lovely compliment, but uh, you're Chris Tanev. So, I mean, like I said, just really, just a really nice, like down to earth guy. And I also, I had the opportunity to, to speak with his trainer, Gary Roberts. Uh, it was last year and I was covering again, the battle of Alberta. And so uh, Chris trains with Gary in the summers in Toronto, and uh, he just talks about his his work ethic and and how hard he worked. So for me, like Chris Tanev, it's great human being, just absolutely fearless and a, a really hard worker. So my interactions with him have all been really great, and. 
I'm I'm honestly I'm I'm really sad <laughs> to see him go. Like it's my time as the color analyst this season and watching him play. I mean, I know he's not a flashy player by any means, but like what a treat in the way that he plays. You think about him blocking that shot with his face, like you know that he's coming out of left field to put his body in front of pucks left right and center no matter what and I loved the other night when he had he got the assist on the empty net goal because he blocked a shot with his shin pad like it went off his shin pad Mm -hmm. and then on to Michael Backlund's stick and he puts it down the ice and into the empty net so uh, you know just a a real treat to watch and and to call the games and to cover and I'm I am really going to miss uh, talking about him on the air what did he mean to the guys in the in the dressing room Oh my gosh. And that was honestly, guys, one of the things for me thinking about him leaving. He is the way that he plays to me as a teammate is inspiring. He plays inspiring hockey. And when you see your teammate out on the ice blocking shots the way he does, and it's not just that, it's Uh, you know, the way that he plays in terms of like his intensity and his effort all the time. Like he is always giving absolutely everything he can. If it, you know, if it's a a loose puck or a battle, making the right play out of the D zone, like he is just always, it's, it's mock 10 and he's giving absolutely everything that he has. And when you see one of your teammates out on the ice playing that way, it elevates your game. It, you know, and you say it's inspiring because it inspires you to want to give that same level of effort that they do. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of guys on this team that have played, you know, that brand of hockey this season, Blake Coleman being one of them, obviously, uh, but they're, you know, they're going to have to step up in terms of that's, that's one attribute that he brought in terms of his leadership was his ability to inspire his teammates. So yeah, they're really going to miss that. They're going to miss, I mean, he was just a, such a, a steady Eddie back there. And every time he was out of the lineup, you hear the group talk about how much they're going to miss him. And that really stands out for me. It was every single time he was out of the lineup uh, in the last three years I've spent covering the team, it was, okay, how are, how are we going to fill this hole? And the answer always is that you can't. <laughs> you literally cannot fill the hole that Chris Tanev uh, being out of the lineup brings. So for me, it's going to be really interesting to see. Like, it, It's not going to be one guy that's going to step up and, and try to you know, fill that hole and fill that role. It's, it, everyone is going to have to up their game uh, just an extra little bit to try to make up for what they're losing. When... If we even dive into this a little deeper, what did you see as his effect on on Noah Hannafin that allowed him and, and really those two as a tandem to become this team's top pair over the last couple of months since they were reunited? Yeah, the, the chemistry that those two had out on the ice was really, it was neat to watch. And for me, a successful D pair, uh, you're able to read where the other one is. And so for me, they got to a point where they knew where the other was going to be on the ice at all times, but they also had that trust. So if they one of them got into a bit of a pickle and a battle and um, it was almost like they knew where the other one was going to be so that they were there for an outlet pass. But you look at the, the dynamics of the two and the way that 
they play, their styles of play. Obviously, Chris Tana, you know, he's stay-at-home uh, type of guy, keeps the game in front of him. But that really allowed Noah Hannafin to take an extra step in his game in terms of that the dynamicism, jumping up in the rush, uh, activating off the blue line in the offensive zone. And so as a defenseman, when you're D partner, you know that they're going to be back there. You know that they have your back and you have that trust then you can take a few more calculated risks. I also think it's uh, the way that Ryan Huska and the coaching staff have, they've given the guys on the back end the green light to, to jump up and to be smarter in terms of when they're jumping up in the rush and making sure that they're not giving up anything on the defensive side of things. But just the way that Tanev plays, it, it has allowed Noah Hannafin uh, to push his offensive game a little bit. And I think it's, it's escalated over the course of the season in terms of what he's been able to bring. In saying that, I also, I, I believe Chris Tanev was also one of the smartest guys in terms of, um, you know, making that decision of when to jump up in the rush, when to not jump up in the rush. Ryan Huska has said that, that he's one of the smartest guys with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was just really that, it was like a a perfect balance and chemistry and trust between the two that, you know, if Noah Hannafin, if he plays the next two games with the flames, it's going to be interesting to see. And I I was talking with uh, Wilsey, my broadcast partner yesterday, and we were saying like, if a team was really smart, they would have traded for both of them, like the package, because you know exactly what you're going to get in the two of them. Um, So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how Noah Hannafin uh, responds and, and who he plays with uh, now that Tanev's gone. I wanted to ask you about the return. Obviously, it's a highly debated anytime a deal goes through. What do you make of what the Flames got back in this trade? Yeah, I think for me, my reaction was probably similar to what seems like most, my initial reaction in that you know you wanted that first rounder, but... I mean, the reality is, and we've heard Craig Conroy speak now, like they weren't going to get that. So then you have to look at what's your your next best option, your next best offer. And, I mean, the other thing is, like, we know what what type of player and person Chris Tanev is, but if you look at it from, like, an asset market value, like – and this is not to downplay Chris Tanev in any way whatsoever and the type of player that he is. Like, I can't say enough good things about him, but he is 34 years old. And the style of hockey that he plays, uh, that leans towards more injuries. So you also have to look at, like, the longevity of the player. And so for me, looking at it in in the big picture uh, and what the Flames got back and, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a fair deal. I think it's a, it's a good deal. And at the end of the day, like we always react initially to the trades, uh, but we, we really don't know if it's a good deal or not until we see how these players pan out. Like how are the guys or how are the picks uh, that you end up getting in return? You often hear about, you know, a first round pick that you got in exchange for someone that just didn't work out. And that's, three or four years down the road. So for me, like I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the return. Uh, I also, in my time with the team uh, and in seeing the way that Craig Conroy has operated and the deals that he's made, I mean, he's a smart man. And I truly believe that he 
like the the length of time that it took for this deal to happen and to play out he really was looking to maximize the return that he was going to get and it obviously got to a point where this was it this was going to be the best deal that he was going to get so uh, for me that's what it really comes down to and then just also patience and waiting to see uh you know what the return how that how that pans out Megan Mickelson is our Sportsnet 960 The Fan Flames analyst joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We saw after the Lindholm deal, Megan, that the team played better. Uh, They went on a bit of a heater and then had that win streak and then lost that win streak. Obviously, removing one of your best defensemen, arguably probably, I don't know, your second best defenseman this season. Uyghurs had a great year, but he's just such a key piece to this blue line. How does the dressing room react to this? Is it like, okay, yeah, this is tough, or is this a big motivator? Mm-hmm. Are, are we going to see this on Saturday, how potentially the next couple games are going to go here with how this team reacts? Yeah, and honestly, I think that it, it's going to go one of two ways. One, it, it motivates you to want to show you know, anybody that has doubt that you know the the group sort of galvanizes around it and they say okay well we're going to show everyone that despite of these moves that we're gonna we're still going to make a push for the playoffs and show that we're a really great team or it impacts the group in a negative way in that you know they say okay we've how do we do this without you know one or two of our key pieces on the back end and you look at the moves that have been made in terms of the future of the team. And it's very clear, you know, if you look at the moves like Elias Lindholm out, Tyler Toffoli out, Nikita Zadorov out, now Chris Tanev out, probably Noah Hannafin out. And then, you know, you're getting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks in return, three prospects. Andre Kuzmenko, Yegor Shengro, which like that to me, looking at that is very clear uh, where this organization is in their mindset of, okay, it's, it's two, three, four years down the road in terms of a retool. So, you know, if you look at it from that standpoint, it could deflate the group a little bit and thinking that, well, you know, they've obviously, you know, as an organization, maybe they've given up on this year. But to me, I would lean more towards uh, the group responding in a positive way. And I say that because of the leadership that they have in the dressing room. And we've seen what a great job Michael Backlund and that leadership group has done all year long in terms of any of the noise, the adversity that's gone on around the team. That's when it's really key for your leadership group and the narrative in the dressing room to make sure that, you know, the group is on the same page. And I would say the same, you know, for Ryan Huska and the coaching staff, what an amazing job they have done with this group and in keeping them on the rails and keeping them competitive and pushing. And, you know, as of late, the, all of the talk from the guys is the belief that they have in the room. And it's not just the talk, it's the way that they're playing too. It's very clear that they are determined to make a push for the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I lean towards I, seeing a positive response from the group, uh, initially at least, and and then you sort of see where it goes from there. But, I mean, you look at Nazem Kadri and, you, you know, you think of, okay, what would his response be to this? And he's like, oh, I'm a gamer, let's go. Like, we're going to 
show everyone and turn things around and really make a push and prove everyone wrong. Same with, you know, Blake Coleman and Mackenzie Weger and Rasmus Anderson, Michael Backlund. Like, you just look at those personalities uh, and you know that they're going to want to make a push. Same for Jacob Markstrom. So uh, it, it could hurt the group if it's taken the wrong way. But my belief is that with the leadership, and the group that they have in the room, they've talked about how tight-knit they are, what a close group that they have, and the way that they're playing uh, as of late, that they can you know, use this to, to galvanize the group as a motivator. They play again on Saturday. Who do you see being the three pairs when they play without Chris Tanev in the lineup? Yeah, well, initially, I would definitely say, like, Dennis Gilbert and Jordan Osterley have been with the team now and have been practicing. They're around the group. So I would say, you know, for me, it's either – and it depends on what they want to do to me with Oliver Shillington and Braden Pahal in that third pairing. So mm-hmm. if you want to keep those two guys together – then you slot Dennis Gilbert in with Noah Hannafin or Jordan, Jordan Osterley. I would lean towards Dennis Gilbert just because of, uh, you know, he plays uh, in, if you're thinking of trying to replace like tit for tat, you know, Dennis Gilbert, Chris Tanev, I know very, very different in terms of, uh, you know, Tanev's a shot blocker, Gilbert's more of a fighter and a hitter, but from a playing a more defensive style rounded game inserting a guy like him into the lineup would make sense to me if that's what you're looking to do Jordan Osterley is more of an offensive minded guy Um, so you know in in a roundabout way I guess if you're keeping Shillington and Pahal together then you slot someone in next to Noah Hannafin and you know my thought would be Dennis Gilbert Uh, if you're okay with breaking up Shillington and Pahal, which I'm not sure that they are because those two have really found some great chemistry. Then I wonder if you put Brain Pahal uh, up in with Noah Hannafin. I think that that could be a really great fit also. Um, and then Mackenzie Weger and Rasmus Sanderson. I mean, again, it, it like it's, it's highly dependent on if they want to break up any of their other pairs, but it does put you in, in a bit of a pickle in terms of, okay, do we leave the other guys and and sort of leave their chemistry? But I think it's going to be something that they're going to have to tinker with and see how it, how it plays out in in the game on Saturday and then uh, moving forward as well. Are you nervous for this impending Hannafin trade? Um, nervous in the sense that nervous what it's going to do. I mean, you lose one of your top defensemen on the back end uh, and you, you take that blow, but when you lose two of them, that does make me a little bit nervous. So, and, and it goes back for me on the game on Tuesday night when we were calling the game and it was the last two minutes of the game and Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin were out on the ice for almost the entire last two minutes of that game when they're up three to two and they're trying to protect the lead. And in my head, I'm thinking, who are they going to put out on the ice when the game is on the line, when those two guys are gone? So that, that to me, that makes me a little bit nervous, but at the same time, you look at, you know, the way that guys have stepped up, all year long and you know if you're if you're given that challenge and saying hey like these two guys are gone and Tanev and Hannafin like 
And you know, I, you know, I believe with Ryan Huska's communication, he's an excellent communicator. That you're saying to the decor, you guys all have to step your game up. Then, then they're up for it. So, it, and I mentioned it earlier, it's not just going to be one guy. It's not just going to be two guys. It's going to have to be the entire decor as a whole. And Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar are, are really going to have to be sharp and, and on their games. Megan Mickelson, um, she is our Flames Sportsnet 960, the fan analyst. Should be fun on Saturday, Megan. Should be a lot of yeah, fun. Should looking, be a lot of juice in that building. Absolutely. Yep. This is what I will say. If Noah Hannafin doesn't get traded tonight or tomorrow, I highly doubt he gets traded Saturday to take away from uh, yeah. the pomp and circumstance. Wow, hot take. Very hot take. <laughs> who knows, here. right? At this point, who knows? Yeah, you're right. If it's if it's a knock your socks <laughs> off deal, sorry, Noah. Sorry, Mika. We got to yeah. do this. All right. Thanks, yeah, Megan. Exactly. Great stuff. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Bye. There she, there she is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, straight ahead. Well, we talked about the NHL trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that means? What does that mean? We should throw it over to Connor. Oh, the con dog. Is it's like corn dog, him? but it's con dog. I like it. Our NHL trade deadline coverage is brought to you by All Kind Door Services Limited, your go-to <laughs> service company for the last 35 years, offering 24-hour emergency service for all your door repairs. Anything that swings, slides, or rolls, visit allkindsdoorservices.com. All Kind Door Services. God dang it. All Sorry. Kind Doors Services. It's okay. I appreciate you. I appreciate the job you're doing back there. Thank you. With GVP. Yes. Mm. Um, it down. One hour to go on our portion of the big show. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN NHL senior writer, will join us straight ahead. And your your favorite Chris Tanev memory or your sweet goodbye to that sweet shot-blocking prince that is Chris Tanev. 960, 960 name and location. We'll do those at 830. It's straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan.